With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello to all faithful boneheads, bonehounds, or whatever you choose to call yourself as a listener of the Bosco's Boys podcast. Welcome to the show, and thank you for listening. Before we get started on one of our new series, I'd like to talk to you about the Patreon that we are going to launch very soon. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know what a Patreon is, a Patreon is a crowdfunding membership platform that provides business tools for creators like us to run a subscription content service. We absolutely love hosting Bosco's Boys. Scott and I have um, told each other on multiple occasions that starting this podcast in, in the last year has been one of the best decisions that we've ever made, and it was easily the best part of the last year. Uh, we both work really hard to put out fresh content and original content on a weekly basis, and we truly do the best to entertain the illustrious Bonehead Nation with preview and review shows, crossover shows, you know, big-time interviews, uh, media days, and just overall banter about the cats. We've been hesitant to start a Patreon because we didn't want to feel like we were taking advantage of you guys on this platform that we've been fortunate enough to build but we decided that having some help to fund the show would ultimately improve it, you know, going towards better equipment, recording programs, traveling funds, possible events like future tailgates, and just a little extra compensation so we don't have to do all the funding between the two of us. Now, don't worry. Nothing's going to change. Bosco's Boys will always be free. We will never, ever put our normal episodes behind a paywall. Now, as far as the Patreon goes, there will be three overall tiers. The first tier is $2 a month. Nothing changes on the show. It's completely optional. But essentially, if you like us and you listen to us, we'd love it if you could subscribe to the Patreon and give us a couple of bucks a month to help us improve and fund the show. Beyond that, there's two more tiers. A $4 a month tier that comes with an extra episode a month behind the Patreon paywall and a sticker of your choice from the Bosco's Boys store. And a third and highest tier is a $10 a month, and it includes an extra episode a month, a sticker from the, sh- uh, the store of your choice, a T-shirt from the store, and you get to come on the show as an, uh, on an episode probably during the season and help us with our Keys to V segment. We love doing the show. Uh, we love you guys genuinely. We've made real friends because of this podcast, and it's helped us improve our fellowship you know, with K-State fans honestly all over the country. But we, we believe that we can be bigger, and we believe that we can be better. So again, if you'd like us and you listen to the show, subscribe to the Patreon for 2 bucks a month or the other tiers if you want to get that extra stuff. If not, no biggie. We'll still be here talking about the cats. Thanks for listening. Let's start the show. It's the moment of the evening Every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey Crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together And make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters The handsome Bosco Boys Ooh, Bosco's Boys Come on, boys Alright, welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast Today we are kicking off a new series in a way. This is going to be part one. It's called the Worst Games That We've Been To series, where we talk about the worst games that we've been to together in person. That's the rules. But today we have a first-time guest, and it is the one and only Cole Copeland, my brother. And I see that you've already taken the liberty of putting your beer into this koozie, but as is standard, we're handing you this koozie as a gift, even though you probably already have one anyways. But anyone who comes on the show gets a koozie, and if you come back on, you'll get a different koozie. So welcome to the show, Cole Copeland. 
Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I think I actually probably have five or six of these koozies at the old crib where we used to live and reside together. <clears throat> and I'm not drinking anything fancy, if you're wondering out there. It's just a uh, Coors Light, so I'm uh, topping the Rockies here today. Beer the pod. We haven't done that for a while. It's going to be a Coors Light because I don't think I'm going to drink any beer. But let's just get into it. Um, so the... I mentioned it before, the worst games that we've ever been to series, it's going to involve probably a lot of different people, but today it's just you and me, and we're going to kick off the series with part one, episode one is going to be the Auburn 2014 game. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of other bad games that we've been to together, but this one sticks out for me because we went to this one together, and it was just, ugh, it was painful. So we're just going to jump right into it. What do you remember about, like, the general buildup and the hype for this game? Well, you know, uh, it was billed as a pretty big game. Um, Auburn coming in, what, number five in the country. A couple years, or they played, what, they'd won a BCS in 2010. They played the year before and lost to Florida State. So a lot of hype around this game. Um, It was an exciting buildup. And it was one of the games that I was really excited to be attending. Yeah, I mean, it went back, like, really far for me. Because, I mean, I didn't know if we were going to get to play the return game against Auburn. When did we play them? In 2007? Oh, 7 with Ron Prince. We went to Auburn. And I knew that we were going to have to play them again at some point. But I remember there being, like, chatter about, I think, Bill was trying to get out of it. And I was really pumped when he didn't. Because, I mean, Auburn was, like, peaking during this time. This stretch of time, and yeah, the previous season they went to the BCS national title game. They returned a bunch of players, particularly Nick Marshall, their quarterback. It was crazy. I mean, it was all like the local media could talk about. There was, I think, what were they? Who somebody was doing something where they like charted all like the states where there was like representation from. There was like thirty-five out of the fifty states had like people were traveling to the game. And there was, like, I remember there was a dude that traveled, like, 6,500 miles from Lebanon to, like, attend the, attend the game. That's pretty bizarre and kind of crazy and cool. But most notably, I mean, it was on Thursday night. And that's why I feel like the buildup was so huge, despite Auburn. They were number five coming in. Biggest non-con game that we've had, that we had had for, what, like, I think it was, like, 45 years that I read. And, but it was, it was Thursday night. It was the game that night. You know, the nation was watching us in that primetime slot again, under the lights, featuring two ranked opponents. It just had so much buildup, you know. You could feel it for weeks, like, before the game, all, everywhere you were. In Manhattan, just had that feeling that it hadn't had in, like, over a decade. And it felt super good to be a part of a game like that again. So, like, what are your – just in general, like, Thursday night games, What is your what is your feeling towards Thursday night games? Let me backtrack a little bit and – if I can thank Ron Prince for anything, it's putting those big-name teams on our schedule. Um, we got lucky a couple years before with Miami. They were down a little bit, but still, you know, to ha- to go to Miami and have Miami come in and play, that's, you know, a, a big, high-name brand that, you know, gets you looks and, and puts your program out there. So thank you, Ron Prince, for scheduling some uh, big-time games. Um, so for Thursday night, you know, back then I, I loved the idea of playing on Thursday night. I love being the prime time game, you know, top 25 matchup, Auburn comes to K-State. The hype was there. I was excited. I was, you know, got off work. I could go, um, hanging out with friends, family, having some drinks, tailgating. I mean, Thursday night games back then for me were, you know, the, the, the big deal, the it game, so I, I enjoyed it at the time. Was that the first? Yeah, we had like cousins from what South Carolina, who like would come to like one game a year for because like they would be in Topeka for work. Yeah, what was that his first game that he went to? That might have been his first game. And that was uh, a good one. To we're go talking to. about my my mom's uh, first cousin, Jeff Roseland. Shout out to him. <laughs> big big Clemson guy. So a lot of my mom's family went to Clemson. So they're. They get a lot of good football out where they are. But, yeah, he had, he came to the game. Uh, he was working in Topeka, so him and a, one of his colleagues came to the game and met up with us and enjoyed that night with them. Uh, 
it was it was a fun time. Thursday I nights. yeah. I personally, I mean, I love them. I still love them, and I wish we could have like one each year. Because I mean, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of pos- positives to them, you know. And I think both for us, like obviously in our in our secret professions, um, we can typically rearrange our schedules pretty easily if we have plenty of time. Yeah. So I feel like you know I get people's concerns with Thursday night games that you know it inter- it's in the it's in the work week and it's tough for people to get off. But for me, I mean, it's perfect. I can easily with enough time move my schedule around and just take a long weekend. And but I mean, the best part about them is that just the exposure and the hype that they bring it allows K-State to have that primetime slot that we don't really get anymore because we haven't been good enough. But it's good for recruiting. I think it's fun for the fans. And I don't know. Maybe that'll change over the course of the climbing area. We can get some get back in that primetime slot without having to do it on a weekday. But, I mean, we were supposed to have one this, this year. But it got moved. I don't remember why. Also, we are we haven't won a Thursday night game. So that... That's kind of shit, too. Well, but we haven't won many games of late, so... That's true. Not sure a Thursday night game would make any difference. Um, but, yeah, for, for you and I, it's easy to, you know, rearrange our schedule and, and get off. But I could see, yeah, I definitely agree with you where you said it's hard for people to get in there. And I think, you know, you can still get the hype and, and the get up for those Saturday primetime games, too, which makes it easier for a lot more people. But, yeah, Thursday night is kind of, you know, the only game that's on everyone's watching so is this is this the most excited you've been for a game in recent memory um <laughs> well another one that i was actually really excited for could also make one of the worst games we've been to together and that was the 2010 nebraska game that is on my short list for <laughs> sure where they came in and absolutely that was a us. thursday night game was that? Yeah, yeah, that was a Thursday night game, too. So we're 0-3. Yeah, so that was another game that I was pretty hyped for. I knew they were way better than we were, and they uh, showed it that night. But, but yeah, that was another fun one to get up for and, and yeah, watch. Yeah, I, th- I mean, yeah. There were other games, obviously, in, like, 2012 that I was pretty pretty hyped for, but not many at home. I mean, I remember being, like, horribly nervous for going going to West Virginia in 2012. I was like, we're going to get – we're not going to win this game. And then we just destroy them. I was obviously nervous for at Oklahoma. I don't know, Texas, because we had just lost to Baylor and I was afraid that we were going to lose the Big 12. But, I mean, the Auburn game just was special. It just had something else to it. So Auburn was – they were number five coming into Manhattan as a – I think they were eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Did you ever think that we had a chance to actually win the game? Um, as a optimistic K-State fan, I honestly think we could win every game we play. Uh, but if I'm being realistic, um, not really. No, if I'm being honest, I don't think I really thought we were going to win the game. Um, just because, you know, they played for the national championship the year before. They brought in a, a great team. They were ranked number five in the country. Um, we had a good team, you know. Rewatching the game, there's a lot of like good players on that team, and early on we held it, we held it uh, close. I mean, it was close the whole game. But if I'm being honest, I wasn't particularly sure or didn't really think we were actually going oh. to win. We have the game playing in the background, and the worst play of the game just happened. But yeah, I mean, I would agree. I I'd say I. I certainly didn't think that we could win. I was more like 90% Auburn to maybe a 10% K-State. But, you know, there's always a chance, especially at home, in a one-game scenario. But And as a fan, you know, you always have that small bit of hope and romanticism, keeping that optimism alive in, in any scenario. But I did not feel confident. I was just hoping <laughs> that we, like, didn't get dismantled on a national stage. That was my biggest fear because – Jesus, like when you get in, when you when I got into the stadium and you could see, just like, the sheer size of every Auburn player compared to ours, I was like, it just left me feeling, just terrified. I I was afraid that we were going to get murdered. Well, but we didn't do that. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that has happened before. Um, you play against better teams. And Nebraska game. Come out and smoke <laughs> us, Nebraska. The some Oklahoma games in the past where they're just. 
way better than we are, and we still have a decent team, but they just are a, a class different. 2011, that was yeah, bad. that was a terrible game. Um, that could be on the list. It it could be. Yeah. That was a fun game. I mean, like, the first half was really fun, and the second half they just picked us apart. But yeah. So one of the things about this game that everyone remembers is just how, you know, elite the atmosphere is. So you have the build-up, you have the hype, and then you get to the game. Just how loud was it? How loud do you remember it being? Um, you know, I don't know if it was the loudest I've ever heard it, but the consistency of noise yeah. was very, very impressive. Um, I remember just yelling every down throughout the entire game, uh, coming away basically hoarse afterward because, you know, we were in there the entire game competing. You know, we played very well in the first quarter. Uh aside from shooting ourselves in the foot, but uh, constant noise throughout the entire game, which was um, a fun atmosphere, a very fun atmosphere to be a part of. I'm going to say definitively that it was the loudest game, at least in Snyder 2.0, from start to finish. I mean, then again, like Snyder <laughs> Snyder 2.0, I can probably think of like five good loud games, but I mean, what stood, about the games, what stood out to me was the consistency of yeah. the noise. I mean, it was just insane every single down yeah people point to like baylor 2011 as being the loudest of 2.0 which i mean i don't agree i was there i don't think that's even remotely true there were definitely louder peaks i mean during that maybe game in the fourth quarter it was there's a two minute stretch where it was like yeah. crazy but th it was so hot on the east side that day and i mean there were periods in that game where i was like we're gonna they're gonna spank us like yeah. So people were kind of, like, dead in parts of that game. The Auburn game was absolutely relentless. It was like every down sounded like it was fourth and one. It was it was amazing. Yeah, it was constant noise the entire time. And that Baylor game, you know, you always get the, the thought that they could score whenever they wanted to, which they did kind of early on. And so you'd be loud for a couple downs, but then they'd just come up with a big play and score a touchdown. But the Auburn game was, you know, the defense was locked in. They had to work as hard as they could to get anything going. Auburn did, and so the crowd noise was pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. I, it's one thing that the constant noise is one thing that I really take away from the game. It was fun. It was that night game. We haven't had an atmosphere like that since maybe we've maybe had one game since okay. then. TCU. That's it was a Saturday night, and obviously that could be on the list too. Forty-five, forty-two. We blew a. Massive lead in the second half. First play, or first drive of the second half. Yeah. Hubner throws a pick six. Yeah. Uh huh. So aside from the obvious, you know, not being in the national conversation and just you know not being as good as we once were, why do you think that is? I mean, why do you think the atmosphere has taken a huge hit? Uh, plug your ears, all you Bill Snyder fans. Staleness of the program. Mm -hmm. Um. I love Bill. You know, it's hard not to love Bill. Grew up with Bill. He's all I knew as a head coach. Um, but just watching those games and watching the team as 2.0 kind of dwindled out in the end, it just was boring. It, it was boring. There was no excitement. Recruiting was terrible. So overall, as a whole, you just saw the steady decline of the program, which, which really hurts as a K-State fan. But truthfully... Um, I think this is my personal opinion. It was time for Bill to go. Uh, I don't think there was anything he really could have done to rejuvenate the program after his his second stint. Uh, you saw, I mean, you know what Bill does. If if you're a K State fan, you know how Bill operates. Um, and he was behind the times. He just couldn't pique the kids' interest, get them to come. Too traditional in a sense, which. I can get behind in some ways, but I just think things were too stale and needed to change. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the first thing that came to mind is Bill just basically getting older and sticking to what he knew. But holy shit, we like we literally didn't do anything at all in the last like seven years for like the pregame. Aside from, and this is like stupid it's a stupid talking point but it's something that pisses me off and i want to talk about it um you know we don't do anything we had just dated videos dated pregame music no structure there was no hype it drove me insane i mean 
aside from the fact that just our team wasn't as good and we didn't have these primetime games and I mean, we had plenty of big-time teams come in, but we didn't have the primetime games. We didn't have the level of excitement just across the program, and that clearly is going to affect the atmosphere. But, like, Bill didn't do anything to modernize anything. Like, it drove me nuts, and the thing that, like, pisses me off the most is uh, Willie just running out on the field with no introduction, <laughs> and half the stadium doesn't even know he's on the 50 about to do the KSU chant. I mean, it's a stupid criticism, and it's peanuts in the grand scheme of things, but it does piss me off. Do you think Kleiman can reinvigorate, like, the stadium into, like, an elite atmosphere again? Yes, I do. Even if we're, like, just solid good. Like, if we're just a good team, and that's his peak, like, eight, nine wins. Eight nine wins, I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm being a little selfish here, but I eight nine wins consistently. Maybe a couple years getting to ten, eleven, twelve. I want to compete for obviously national titles. Not sure <laughs> if he can get to that level, um, but I think he can. And if he does, if if you build it, they will come. You know, the fans will come, the noise will come, the atmosphere will come. Um, going back to what you said about the introductions and Willie and stuff. Uh, I honestly, well, growing up, I honestly loved the skits that they did. Um, it it did get me pumped when he would come out and just tackle the shit out of someone standing at midfield and then jump up and do the KSU. And I agree 100% when he just, <laughs> just prances out onto the, the field in the middle at the 50 and does KSU. Like, it does nothing for me. I don't even, most of the time, even chant KSU because I'm just... Like, this is lame. I don't like this at all. So, yeah, I mean, if if Kleiman wins, you know, winning breeds everything, basically. So if, if he's a winner, then people will Yeah, I think that's basically all it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about winning. I mean, any you can you can have, like, that uh, – what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you can create – you can try to, like, create an atmosphere – but the reality is, it's all about winning. So I mean, if we have a good program again, I was to say early if we have on, a good pro- program again. If every game was a ranked game on a on a national scale, like this Auburn game was, the atmosphere is going to pick up. You know, you can you can try to create the atmosphere in certain ways. You can do things to help it, which Bill did not do. It's like literally we did nothing. It was just very boring. Even in I remember saying to you in this Auburn game, this was the biggest game that we'd had in a very long time at home. The hype was insane. The crowd was huge. And I remember being like, oh, Willie's, I guess, Willie's just running out. And they didn't do anything. He just <laughs> ran out. and did KSU, and it was just, like, so anticlimactic. So, and I think, I mean, I think Kleiman's pretty in tune with what the people want. I think he'll, moder- he'll modernize things quite a bit. But before we get into the game, I'm going to let you, we're both going to see it. Like, if you could construct a pregame routine, trying to hype, trying to build the hype, what would you do? Clearly, you didn't uh, add this to the to your outline, so I'll I'll tell you what I would do. All right, so I would let the band kick off the festivities like they normally do because it's something I've always enjoyed. Um, it happens when people are like filing into the stadium. It's always one of my f- favorite parts the entire day, particularly the alma mater. Only thing I would change with the band routine is I would take out Wildcat March, or I would like move it somewhere else because it sucks and it does kill the mood. I think it comes right after. Uh, the Wabash, when like people are starting to get hyped, and then they play Wildcat March, and it kills the vibe. So after the band <coughs> finishes, I reckon there's like what 12 to 15 minutes until kickoff. I don't remember. Uh, can't remember the exact time, but this is what I would do. I cut to the locker room and I show the team doing Purple Get Ready to Roll, and that's like. 12 minutes till kickoff. I'm not sure if they even do that anymore or if they do it at all. But, I mean, because the only video I've ever seen of that is, like, grainy and old as shit. Off of someone's cell phone, probably. And, uh, <laughs> but if I if they don't know, they're going to start doing it. And I'm going to f- fly in old players to teach them how to do it. Um, that's, hitting the jumbo pro- that's hitting the Jumbotron approximately 60 seconds. The fan Fans are going crazy. They know it's time to get hyped. Purple get ready to rolls on the Jumbotron. After a while, they probably start to join, probably become a great, you know, tradition. Um, after that minute, 
you've got hype video number one, where it just you know goes for a few minutes, some amazing video that our media team slaps together. It would probably vary each game, but remain you know pretty similar concept. After that, we've got a Willie skit. It doesn't have to be a skit, just more than a s Willie just running. And you know it's got to be like an introduction of Willie the Wildcat. I say we bring his car back, show him driving down the northeast corner onto the field. I think he should. I mean, literally anything. You have to have something with Willie. You can't just have him run out on the field out of nowhere to do a random KSU chant. It's bullshit. And this is what I would do. I'd have him, like, I would have us, like, build helmets, like, out of, I don't know, paper mache or some shit. Something that he could just smash with, like, a sledgehammer or something. The new sledgehammer they have now, right? Yeah, like, go smash something. People drunk, they'd be losing their minds. Then he does KSU. Now we got have, what, like, seven or eight minutes left? Here's where you get the tunnel cam. And you get like an iconic song, so you you do a tunnel cam. The team the team starts walking down. You play a song like their walkout song. I don't know what that is. It, you could go the route of like Virginia Tech, where you get like one song that you play forever, and like when that starts playing, people are like freak out. Or you could do like you just let the players pick like what do they want to walk out to, and they could change. But everyone knows it's time to play. You got a nice structured pregame routine. I would get so hyped if I if there was something like that we got to mix it up though but we'll get into the game so basically we're just going to break down the big game plays and uh moan about how terrible it was well i didn't get to answer my portion of that oh okay go ahead if you have an idea obviously i did put this question you sent it to me and i totally forgot about it um but if i'm just kind of throwing off the cuff here i really like the the you know the chanting and stuff like that i remember watching the uh OU pregame where they're they're coming out and they're chanting like waiting in the water or something like that all together that's pretty pretty sick it gets you hyped up for sure and <laughs> I'm gonna have another shout out to Ron Prince here I kind of did like when the oh yeah the fog. tunnel raised came up oh. and the fog was coming out and yeah I did so I would like fog I kind of like that that idea um, finding an iconic song though that I feel like that'd be hard to do but if we can get something that's not already taken and Scott has an idea People for a really good song for a video, but it fits basketball better. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, I don't know. I I would say just probably let the players pick. I mean, what they want to walk out to. Yeah, and like yeah, have shoot a camera up the tunnel and see him walking out in the purple tunnel. I mean that I I like. I think the tunnel is pretty legit. Amazing, you know? and have like fog coming out where they're coming out with it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the whole family thing. So the family block that they hold up and stuff like that. I don't mind it, but I don't know. I'm just not a big component of like family, this family, that blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but it's like, give it a rest or like, it doesn't have to be every single thing. I mean, yeah, just say, say, yeah, we're like a family at K state, but we don't have to push that with everything that we do. It, It gets a little redundant and kind of annoying. But, yeah, I mean, uh, walk out video or walk out with the shot of the tunnel. Um, I'm a fan of the fog. Do we don't have, like, a door that raises, do we? Like, how do they come out of the locker room? I think they do. They do have a door? Surely. Yeah. I think they have, like, a garage that raises up. Yeah. They used to. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, they definitely do. I'll so have to I, look it I, up. I could, yeah. That'd be that'd be Fog would legit. be great. I don't know how you could do a Willie skit anymore. Um, you don't have to. I think just show him driving up, driving in his car down like the northeast corner, so people are like, "Oh, let's go!" Because then you know, okay, he's coming. Everyone's ready. Yeah. Why'd yeah. they bin his car? His car was great. He doesn't they have his car banned anymore. It? Bin B I N. Oh. All right, let's get into the game Band. here. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna get into the game, and uh, you pretty much watched the whole thing. I kind of skipped around, and we have it playing in the background right now. It's it was painful. It was really painful to watch. And you know the first game, <laughs> of I mean the first drive, of each team pretty much encapsulates this entire game. Just impotence, stupidity from both sides. So it starts out Auburn basically. Let's see. Um, we hold Auburn. I mean, we hold them and force them into a punt. And then, like literally the first, you could just tell like. After their first drive, you could tell that K-State is not ready because their punter muffs the punt, and it goes probably 10 yards behind his head, and we have no one there. 
had had we not been on the return, I mean, we could have had a huge play. We probably would have blocked the punt. We at least, at the very least, would have tackled and like recovered. Maybe I mean it could have been a scoop and score. It was just like terrible. Uh, I think the punt kind of goes to like the the play call that they had on it. I think they had it set up for a return, so there was nobody that was really going after the punter. Um, it just so happens that he he muffed it, dropped it. We had one guy there. He couldn't get there in time. You actually have to give a lot of credit to the punter to be able to pick up and do a rugby-style kick. But, I mean, yeah, if, if Bill has a block on and he's bringing the house after the punter, we, we recover, we tackle him, it's our ball inside the 30-yard line, and we're in good shape. Instead, he gets a great punt off, kicks it out of bounds at, like, the 15-yard line, and then our troubles begin. Yeah, he happens to <laughs> turn around, run back 10 yards, pick it up, and punt it within in our own 15. I mean, it was like ends up being a an elite punt. It goes away from Lockett completely. <sighs> yeah, it was really frustrating. And I remember like people were really pumped during this play because Lockett was back to return and he was questionable. Like he had an injury going into this game and people weren't sure like the extent of what he was going to do how much he was going to play and he was kind of quiet this game and obviously he had a massive blunder that we will talk about but so we get the ball in our own territory we end up getting a first down off of a basically I mean we can't run we try to run two plays and they stuff us badly and then um we throw try to throw a pass to lock it and it's a pass interference so we get that first down basically from that and then we fumble the next play Jake Water fumbles off of like a shitty handoff and they recover but then our defense steps up again well i think the locket thing might have come down to some bill snyder voodoo you know uh <clears throat> giving the perception that he was hurt i mean he probably was a little banged up if you look at his overall performance for the game he played pretty well aside from the drop and stuff like that but um yeah jake waters gets the ball we get a first down then he fumbles it with two minutes into the game at the 13-minute mark and give Auburn the ball at, at our 30-some yard line. So not the the best ideal start for our offense. And uh, as you can remember, this is pretty much how the entire game went. Um, yeah, so how are you feeling? <laughs> how are you feeling at this point? It's two minutes in. We have a chance to, I mean, not necessarily, but we have a chance to probably block a punt or get a scoop and score if we have – more than one giant guy, giant slow white guy running for the at the punter. We don't do that. And then we fumble in our own territory against an extremely high-powered offense who we're supposed to lose to, and it's two minutes into the game. I mean, how are you feeling at this point? I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's only two minutes into the game. We fumble, of course. Um, obviously, felt the, like a K-State. Yeah, like. the worst possible thing that could happen happened basically twice. They pick it up and punt it and then we fumble at the 30 um you don't you're not feeling good obviously but it's it's so early in the game that maybe you're just like okay well here we go our defense just got to stop um our backs are kind of against the wall but you know let's let's see what happens and it turns out we hold them and they ended up only getting three points out of it so that's a win definite win for the defense here yes the only unit that showed up that night the defense does hold auburn to three points and the next drive, we show some promise and some purpose. We drive 74 yards over 11 plays and nearly six minutes off the clock. So we're putting our stamp on the game. It was a vintage Bill clock control, strangling the life out of Auburn, keeping them on the sideline. We get a pass interference call. Boom. It's first and goal. I think we get stuffed on the run. Now it's second and goal. <laughs> second and goal from the one-yard line. And we all know what happens next. So basically, Jake Waters is in the shotgun. He's got a little two-step drop. He's got Lockett and Sexton. It's Lockett and Sexton to his left. Sexton does like a little, gosh, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a little short button hook route, kind of like a, used as a pick play. I was to try to do a little rub play, play had Lockett come to the it inside. It was perfect. It was a yeah. perfect play when you watch it. I mean, I watched it probably 25 times yesterday. And uh, Lockett just does a quick slant. He's wide open. Waters puts it right in his hands on his chest, and it just slips through his hands. 
bounces off his chest, our best wide receiver in school history, and it goes straight up over his head, and he just puts his heads, he like puts his heads in his hands, right to the Auburn cornerback who's just waiting there, and it, and we get nothing out of it. So this, I think, is when you start thinking. How much of a kick <laughs> in the nuts is that at this point? Yeah. This is when you start thinking, though, God, the K-State gods are not in our favor. Um, yeah, perfect throw through Lockett's hands, right off his chest, and somehow the ball goes backwards behind him. Like, how does that happen? I don't know. It's, it's it goes crazy. backwards, perfectly straight up. Yeah. Into <laughs> the <laughs> oh god, into the cornerback that's been beaten by two whole yards, and it just falls right perfectly into his hands, and he gets a touchback. After we go 74 yards, basically at will. I mean, they can't, couldn't stop us. No. Had we scored there, it would have been such high momentum for, for, our, for our team. I mean, it was just the, the biggest gut punch. So Auburn takes over. Auburn takes over <coughs> after the touchback. But again, our defense forces a punt. Um, I mean, how, how, how surprised were you, you know, at this point in the game Auburn's offense was insanely high-powered. They ran a very unique set of plays, lots of motions, lots of pulls from from the line, lots of play action. But, our, I mean, our defense was holding its own. I mean, it was 3-0 at this point, and we had forced them into basically three punts since then. Well... I mean, I when I went back and watched this game, I was I was honestly surprised at like how we had some of these players that I completely forgot about. Um, yes. Travis Green playing safety, DeCorey Johnson, which I didn't forget about him, but you know, it's hard. It, he played a, a large role on defense during this game. Um, so being able to shut them down, like we are obviously hyped. It, it helps a lot when the crowd is constantly screaming the entire game. Um, so, I mean, we were in it. We were still in the game regardless of, of two turnovers. Um, so, yeah, like you said, through, through the first quarter, that pretty much ended the first quarter. And, you know, if you're looking at the game, you're like, okay, we are not necessarily dominating, but we are outplaying Auburn at this point. We drove the ball Jesus. down. We've held them on defense. They haven't been able to move the ball. I don't think they had completed a third down conversion at this point. So we were in control in a way, not really. But if you're if you're looking at the game, you're saying, "Well, okay, we're in, we're in good shape here." So hopefully we can keep it up. Hopefully our offense can start doing something and and putting some points on the board. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm watching this in the background, and it's it's kind of throwing me off. But it's there's nine less than nine minutes. It's at like the nine minute mark in the second quarter, and they just showed the rushing yard total, and it was less than fifty. Combined, so like we had like 18 rushing yards and they had 30. This far into the game, I mean, it was really just like a, kind of a mess defensive struggle. But I want to talk a little bit about Travis Green and DeCorey Johnson because um, until I had looked into this game, I had completely forgotten about both of them. I remember leaving this game being like really pissed off and really disappointed, but thinking, you know what, at least we have – Going forward, it looks like a really good safety and a really good linebacker in DeCorey Johnson. And it was like two pieces that I felt like we had been missing for a while. And um, <laughs> after this game, it's like they we didn't hear about them at all for the rest of the year, basically. I mean, obviously Travis Green, yeah, the next blows, game, blows, blows his knee out. out, which, of course, I mean, that's just what happens to K-State. All bad things happen to K-State it seems when things start to get going good. And then DeCorey Johnson was like he that was one, really good. I mean, that he was That was a mystery. I I think I think it comes back to, you know, Bill's philosophy. He'd rather have the play the smarter player on the field than the more athletic player that's going to make plays for you. And I think throughout that season uh Truman started over him. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something I think we've mentioned before on the show, but it, it changed. It's like a pattern that changed over Bill's career. Him just 
basically getting older and more conservative and putting his trust in guys that weren't as good but that knew the system more. And it's just like I wonder I wonder when and why that changed because obviously in, in 1.0, Bill would play his most athletic and his most dynamic guys. They would get on the field. I mean, Michael Bishop didn't even call the fucking plays. We had a tight end calling our plays because Michael Bishop couldn't figure out the offense. And that would never, ever happen, like ever. I think Daniel Sands was better than Jake Waters, and I think if we would have stuck with him, we would have had an extra year of a quarterback, and he would have figured out the passing game. He wasn't a terrible passer. If we would have got, got, like, gone with Sams, struggled through some years, maybe one or two years with Sams, we would have gotten two really good years out of him. But I wonder what switched, like what clicked in Bill's head or flipped in Bill's head for him to just start not trusting his best guys because I felt like we had so many guys over over like a five or six year stretch that never saw the field but had such higher pedigree like two linebackers that I cannot for the life of me remember their names Devontae Derricott Derricott <laughs> Derricott was like a what he was a four star I think so but I don't know I, I mean he like might he not was, have been good he was probably a head case more than anything probably um and then there was another guy though that was with him but I can't remember his name it just seems like, I don't know. I don't know why. Probably just getting old, I guess. Old and conservative. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know. After watching this game, too, I am I know there's a lot of Daniel Sams lovers out there, and I really like Daniel Sams myself, but Jake Waters I still like is Jake a Waters. hell of a passer. I mean, he is a hell of a passer. The only thing that I don't understand from Bill is the year before when we played North Dakota State and Chris Kleiman's defense. Why did he not play Sam sooner? Like, we, we couldn't do anything. Uh, so I don't know why he didn't play Sam sooner. But that's another game that could be on the worst games list. <laughs> yeah, KSO's already done that one. Have they? Well, I don't know. I, d- I didn't mean to get into, like, a Jake's, Jake Waters and Daniel Sam's debate, but... If there's one thing I will say about Daniel Sams, it's that he was, I think, unfairly given a very short leash because he was basically yanked after playing, you know, well, playing well, and I think better than Waters. And then he, like, was just pulled, and that was it. It, I don't know. Because, I mean, the Baylor game, he absolutely destroyed Baylor at home in Manhattan. Did throw a pick, but it is what it is. We'll move on from that. So we'll get back to the game. <clears throat> Lockett returns a 30-yard punt back to the Auburn 43. The place is super juiced up, but it didn't matter <laughs> because the dagger in this game is about to take place. The storyline in this game, Cantelli misses his first of three field goals. We stall out again for zero points. Utter deflation. For me, this felt like – this is when I knew. I was like, all right, we're definitely not going to win because – you know, we're holding Auburn. Eventually, they're going to open it, things up. They've got the talent. And we just could not capitalize. We could not capitalize. We Our defense was doing everything it needed to. I mean, we're about to miss a field goal here, and it's a chip shot. It's literally a chip shot. Oh, no, we score here. We score. score a touchdown yeah. here. Anyways, well, i got to stop watching that TV because it's throwing me off. Those Kentelli boys. Uh, they're confusing. You know, I just remember his older brother. What was his first name? Anthony. Anthony Cantelli. He missed a couple big kicks. I remember in the um, Arkansas game. Both bowl in games. In the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> he missed a couple that would have brought it closer, maybe given us a little momentum. And then Jack the next year. After this game, I lost all faith in Jack Cantelli. Uh, I'm not sure where it really was to begin with, but definitely after missing three field goals, two uh, 42, 43 yarders, which are, are tough, but then the chip shot to start the second half, you know, you got to bury that stuff. You come out, you have a chance to tie it was the an extra the second point. half, and and you miss a 22-yard chip shot. I mean, that is just, you know, he's got some Auburn living in his head. you got to bury that stuff and put it behind you. I mean, yeah, that's a that's an extra point distance. You have to make the field goal. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I before this game, he had only missed like three kicks in his entire career, Jack Cantelli, and then just just couldn't get him between the sticks tonight. Um, so we trade a few punts again after Jack misses his first field goal. 
And then DeCorey Johnson intercepts a tip pass late in the second quarter. And then we finally take the lead. We just we put together, you know, about a fairly short drive. It's like we're, I think we tipped it around midfield. Well, that's he after he picks that, we actually go three and out and punt. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's actually what just happened. So we go three and out, we punt, we get it back. And we just drove and scored. And um, it's Demarcus Robinson. That's like our only. <laughs> so six plays, 57 yards. There we go. There's 4.56 left in the game right now. We are up 7-3, despite how shit we have played. How do you feel going in, at, th- at least at this point? How do you feel? There's, it's less than five minutes to go. And yeah, well, we got the lead against Auburn at home. The crowd's juiced. Um, we're winning, which is great. But you, you can't not just be a little upset with with how this game has gone. Um, K-State obviously has had multiple opportunities to put points on the board and haven't done it. Um, obviously, we know those points are going to come back to bite us in the ass at the end. So you're you're excited that, that they're up, they're winning, but at the same time, you're just a little annoyed with how many points we've left on the field and weren't able to capitalize on because we're playing Auburn, who is a high-powered offense, averages, I think, what, 54 points a game or something like that. So you know they they can probably score at any time, and you know you're going to need those points. Yeah, I remember like being happy. Obviously, we're up seven three. Less than five minutes ago, we're going to get the ball back at halftime, or in second half. And but I remember just being like, not still feeling worse. I mean, feeling bad about it because we left so many. We've left ten points on the on the on the scoreboard, or off the scoreboard with the missed field goal and the dropped touchdown pass. And it was just, you couldn't help but feel like this is a K-State game where we just didn't capitalize that I've seen so many times in the past. And that's exactly what happens because Auburn has less than five minutes to go and they drive and they score. I mean, they answer immediately. Um, Confidence meter completely flips. Nick Marshall hits Ricardo Lewis for a 40-yard touchdown pass. And this game, in, or this play in particular where he scores, we're going to see it come up in a little bit. But I remember, I mean, we're pimping up, hyping up Travis Green, but he does a terrible job. It's like a 40-yard pass that really it was like a 15-yard pass, and he runs for 25. Three missed tackles. Travis Green takes a really, really bad angle, and then he gets turned around and pretty much just gives up on the play completely. So Auburn takes the lead right back again. How you feeling? Confidence is basically in the shitter. Well, I, I I remember watching this play, and our defense gets to Marshall, pressures him. He does a good job stepping up, getting the throw off. And, yeah, it, it was a short maybe 10- to 15-yard pass, and he makes a guy miss. And give credit to the wide receiver where he just kind of took it in between three guys. I mean, he's massive. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> took it in between three guys and kind of prances into the end zone. Um you know, it's it's just one of those things that happens. You know, you you play defense well the entire first half, and then one play they score a touchdown. You're back down. God, they had so many drops. Holy shit! Duke yeah. Williams had like five drops that were just blatant. Should have been a catch. All right, so they score, but guess what? We go down. We try to answer. We have a little bit of time time left, and right at the death. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Cantelli comes on to miss his his second field goal. And this one's pretty, I mean, it's like straight on. I don't remember. I think it was like a 40-yarder. But it was straight on right between the hashes, and well, he misses. So we go down 10-7 at halftime. And pretty much all confidence that I had into winning the game was gone. Even though we got the ball back, it was just like we'd left 13 points off the board that should be on there. I mean, there's there was no way in my mind that we should not have been going into halftime with the lead. If you're going to give Cantelli any excuse to miss this field goal, the snap was low. It was bad. It kind of buzzed the turf. However, the holder did a hell of a job getting it up, um, and then Cantelli just pushed it right. So I think it was super windy. Yeah, like you can see the wind. I remember they're, blowing they're left talking to right. about like the swirling wind throughout the entire game. But, yeah, there was a bad snap. The snap was low, um, and I don't know who the holder was, but he did a great job getting it up. And so as, you, as the kicker, you're watching this happen. You're watching the bad snap. It, 
it can I don't know. I mean, I've never kicked in a high pressure game, so I don't know what what that is running through your head. But if you see you're seeing this happening, it can definitely throw off your rhythm, throw off your your routine. Um, however, the the holder got it up. It was a good hold, and he just pushed it right. Yeah, I mean, I don't give him too much shit for missing those first two field goals. They weren't like gimmies by any means, but. And as far as I know, kicking is all about, like, timing and mechanics. So if you see a bad hold, it's probably going to throw you off. But I did watch it several times, and the wind, I think the wind straight up just pushed it because the wind is going left to right. You can see, like, the flags on top of the poles just blowing like hell. And that's exactly what happens to the ball because it's going down the middle, and it just gets pushed right. So it's halftime. We come back. Can tell he misses another game-tying field goal. And this is the one where I was like – honestly livid at him because I mean the first two those are he's a college kicker they're, they're 40 plus out but this one is truly a chip shot um, and this is to tie the game late in the third quarter basically we go through the entire third quarter just kind of trading punts and trading punches but it's still a defensive struggle it's still 10-7 and we drive down we have a chance to tie it and we're in he's got a 22 yard chip shot it looks like an extra point and he just misses yeah <laughs> this That's is like i mean everyone in the stadium is like losing their mind <laughs> i mean i felt like i definitely like embarrassed myself many times at this game because just like i mean we sit in section four next to this old couple and i was just saying some heinous things like <laughs> every other word was a cuss word i'm pretty sure just like come on i think grant got We're on, bottling this i think grant was one of the people that got on twitter and sent out those bad tweets towards Gantelli. No, <laughs> I I wouldn't put it past I'm me. joking. I don't think he did that. However, yeah, I mean, at it this was point, tough. Missing, it was tough. missing three field goals in a game against the number five team in the country is, is devastating, not only for the person kicking them, but also for the fans who are there investing their time and money. And It was just so de- – it was just like, God damn it. I mean, we just couldn't do – we just couldn't do anything, no matter – what position we put ourselves in, whether it's first and goal, whether it's a, a freaking extra point, point um, style field goal to tie the game. We couldn't get anything right offensively. And it just seemed like, you know, from here it is right here. Look at Travis Green just get cooked right there. Oof. That's some terrible defending. Anyways, uh, <laughs> this game is like, don't watch this game. Just listen to this and get mad because you will – You'll feel sick to your stomach, but, yeah, it was tough. I mean, we couldn't tie the game to save our lives, and then Auburn, the Auburn talent gap kind of kicks in here. Um, they score early in the se- in the fourth quarter to extend their lead to 10 with a fade to their stud, Duke Williams. And on this play, there was really not much we could do about it. It was just a one-on-one isolation fade to the back corner of the end zone, and it was just... Duke Williams was really good and way better than our corner in that in that moment. So, well, they took the lead and at that point it's like, okay, it, the game's over. One thing that I didn't remember until rewatching the game is uh Morgan Burns was our starter. He was our corner and he got injured in the game. And so they put in number 24, 24 Jackson, which I have no recollection who that player is. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um but yeah, he came in for Burns um Marshall recognized that, throws a fade to the corner of the end zone and picks on our second string guy. Touchdown. So yeah, I, I hadn't remembered that Morgan Burns got hurt this game, but he did, and he was obviously not the best corner in K State history, but he was a starter. He was our fastest guy on the team. And so not having him in definitely, definitely hurt our defense. Yeah. I mean at this point <sighs> I just have zero faith. Um uh, we're down ten. We'd been down three basically the entire game, and we couldn't overcome that. So desperate for an answer, we get nothing of the sort. (laughs) Jake Waters throws a pick two minutes later. Um, A really bad pick. I mean, he gets flushed out of the pocket. He's rolling right, and he looks throws for Burton, who's not even looking. I mean, he's not even open. He's turns. He's not open one, and I think he's trying. Starting starts to turn up field. And then he just throws it right to the corner, who's in between them both. It was just 
just bad judgment. You got to throw it away there. I don't know. Like I, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was trying to throw it away because um, he threw it in, in the Auburn player. It wasn't a hard interception, but he had to dive and kind of make a, a catch. But, yeah, it was a terrible throw. And, and when you watch the replay, you see that Lockett's coming across the entire field wide open, probably about 15 yards down the field. So he's – Jake's rolling out to his right. So it's – and Lockett's coming from the, the same side that he's rolling to. And so he, I don't think he ever looks back to see Lockett, but Lockett is downfield wide open. If he gets that throw off to him, then that's that's a six-point touchdown there. Daniel Sams might have seen him, if you ask me. <laughs> um, so Auburn goes on to extend the lead 20-7. to seven. They make a field goal, um, and we have little time remaining, but we do score. K-State scores on a Charles Jones Wildcat package rush to make it 20-14. to 14. We have 3.42 to go, and we have two timeouts remaining. The Cats just needed one stop for a chance at a wild finish. Did you think that we could get it? I remember feeling kind of confident. Uh, if you're judging by how our defense played throughout the entire game, then, yeah, I think we could get one stop and, and uh, get the ball back at least. Obviously, that didn't I mean, happen. So um, we f- Yeah, we force them into a third and nine, and there's two minutes remaining. We don't have any uh, timeouts, but that's certainly a chance to try to get into the end zone. And, of course, uh, I remember this. I mean, I didn't even have to watch this play to remember what happened. It's third and nine. The crowd's going insane. And uh, McDaniel, who is our best corner on the field, is locked up with Duke Williams, and he gets burnt so bad on a hitch and go. Like, he's there. Uh, man, he runs a hitch, and then Marshall, Nick Marshall pump fakes, and he just gets stopped in his tracks. And they end up getting, like, a 40-yard gain to clinch the, basically clinch the game. Uh it was tough. It was tough. It was just like every turn around every corner of this game, we were on pretty much just right there. We were just right there, almost about to take control of the game, and we just failed basically on every single opportunity that we had. And it was very frustrating. I remember leaving the stadium just like, fuck this. Like, <laughs> I fucking hate K-State. Like, so angry, so mad at Jack Cantelli. Uh, it was just extraordinarily frustrating. How did you feel at the final whistle? I mean, I just I remember feeling like I I probably shouldn't go back to our seats again because <laughs> like <laughs> I was literally cussing the whole game, particularly after every missed field goal. I I liked McDaniel a lot, and he was an aggressive corner, and I like I liked him for that. I like aggressive corners. I like people that. This, that are yeah. willing to risk things to make plays. Unfortunately, this was like his kind of his debut. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, he well, played, he played he, but this was his first year. He was JUCO. Yeah. And uh, I remember being, yeah. So we'll we'll just move on to the next question. Did you leave the game with like any positives? Because I remember I had like three big positives, and he was one of them: McDaniel, Travis Green, and DeCorey Johnson. I was so excited about those guys. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this team's good, obviously, because I thought Auburn was one of the top five teams in the nation. They ended up not being. But I remember thinking to myself that that was a game with college football playoff implications at home, and it was amazing. Like, that was the first year of the playoff, and it was a whole bunch of fun. And I just remember thinking to myself that, you know, we're not out. Like, we are not out. We have an opportunity. We have, like, two huge games left on the schedule like in Baylor and TCU because that's when they were pretty much elite but as it turns out you know that it didn't work out but I remember leaving the game thinking like those three guys are going to be studs and McDaniel was really the only one that kind of played out that year because DeCorey Johnson just for whatever reason didn't really play again and Travis Scott or Travis Travis Scott Travis Green blows his knee out yeah uh Aside from yeah, wanting to to murder Jack Cantelli, um, I remember. <laughs> I do remember just being so pissed at Jack Cantelli. I remember. I know um, it's hard to like having. I've like, come so far. Our family be like, cool. You need to shut up, because you have like family here, and all you're doing is cussing and s- screaming. 
And so, <laughs> yeah, I remember being really, really yeah. upset. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at it and, and at the time you think Auburn, yeah, it is top five in the country. Um, you played with them basically toe to toe throughout most of the game. You had what, what probably irritates me the most and probably you too is the points that we could have scored. You know, you look back and you're just like, man, why the, why did this, why couldn't we put the fucking ball in, in the end zone? Why couldn't we make a field goal? Like we do that, we win the game. It changes the whole dynamic of the game. I don't know. Opens things up. Gives. I mean, if we won that, had we won that game, <laughs> we would have probably launched into the top ten. Oh, we definitely. We would've. we made the top ten later on in the year. We were. I know I we, we got to number nine. I think seventh, or something. I seven. Think. I don't know. I know number nine for sure because we basically run off like seven wins or something, and yeah. we are. We go into TCU basically like yeah. on the Fox College game day equivalent. I went, I went to that game. Uh, <laughs> that was a – oh, man. they Obviously, that was the year TCU should have they were played in the playoff. And really good. They made us look bad. Um, they were good. We were not never never in that game. They were on a different different level than we were. But, yeah, that's, that's a totally different game. Um, I think that – you have to obviously we lost, but you have to if you're going to take positive away. It's it's how close we played, how well we how well our defense played. Um, I mean it's it's a little like hazy at that time because all you can pick a, pick apart are the negative things that we did. But yeah, Green. I remember early in the season, Green didn't start. I think this was either his first or second start of the year, which I was begging for early on in the year because I knew he was better than I think. Um, what was his name? White White Boy Number Twenty. White Boy Number Twenty. He ends, he. I think he breaks his leg later in the season. Ooh. At Baylor. Safety? At Baylor. Yeah. God, I. Can't I cannot remember. think of his name. He I had a weird name like Schellenberger. 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 Schellenberg. I, I don't no know idea. something something like that. Maybe I could be way off. Um, yeah. So I I'm thinking good. Yeah, we got Green. Johnson played a great game. I don't know, because that game was weird, because he split time, but Truman was on the field a lot of the time that he was, too, so I'm not sure who or what happens later on why he, he didn't play at all. Um, yeah, those are those were my posi- yeah. positive takeaways from the game, but... It's positive looking back, I'd say that I'm really glad that we didn't have a podcast during this time. <laughs> that I just... I'm glad that I've at least slightly matured since then because I was I was very unhappy. I remember with these children that were playing. I, I was mad at a 19-year-old that missed some field goals, <laughs> but um, it was tough. I, if that happened today, it would still be really tough. But I was going to say, like, <laughs> we haven't been in that position for a while, so who knows how it was just the combination. Really act. <laughs> it was just the combination of, like, everything like this is the biggest game like the hype was unbelievable and we had a chance we were right there it was a college football playoff implication game i mean it was amazing and we just shot ourselves in the foot around every single every opportunity we could we we shot ourselves in the foot and that is the k-state way i don't want to push a false narrative i'll have to come up with a bunch of other examples of that so when i say that it's actually true but it just felt that way that's basically going to wrap it up. Um, that's part one of the worst game series. Um, we don't have, like, a schedule or anything to, like, crank these out. Um, but we have a bunch of ideas in mind where we'll, you know, we'll get Scott on. We'll get maybe my sister on. We'll get a couple other friends of the podcast on to talk about games we've been to together to continue the series down the road when we need to fill some episode episode slots. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I also hated it a little bit, but <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that we obviously have multitude of bad K-State experiences <laughs> together. This is just being one of them. Um, we've been to a lot of games that have not ended in our favor There's at all. Goal. Just skipped off the turf, yeah. But he pushed it. I mean, yeah. He pushed it from the very beginning. Oh, Jack. Anyways, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Let's do it again sometime. 
Uh, before we go, we need to chat a little bit about my bookie because I completely forgot to do that. Um, use the same promo code BOYS. That's capital B-O-Y-S for a 10% deposit match. They've been sticking with us since the beginning, and we just extended with them. So head over to my bookie and gamble over with them. Meet me at the Cathead. People moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. And I, boy, and I, a tooth for a tooth. Vote for me, and I'll set you free. Network.